So I'm amazed at uh, just the the freedom that we have to just come to a different place and and enjoy this. This is awesome. Awesome. Thank you, Ryan and Bonnie. Thank you, Amish Door. Thanks for everybody who helped set up all the chairs and sound system and everything. I showed up this morning and it was all set up. I just did a couple things and yeah, this is amazing. What a, what a great church. Thank you, JB. It's been, uh, it's been good just kind of getting lost this, in this time of just worship. And I've, I've been processing a lot of different things uh, in getting ready for, for being up here. And in my heart has just gone so many different places in, in remembering experiences I've had with the Lord and, and different levels of understanding and, and growth in my relationship with him. And uh, so, yeah, I, I had, I have a whole message ready and I'm going to, I'm going to draw on it, but I'm also going to go off of it. <laughs> I'm going to step away from it a little bit because there's so much more than just a, uh, a teaching on intimacy or oneness with God, but this, the message this morning is called the number one thing. And so I would, I would ask you, what is your number one thing? If I would, obviously, we're in a, a place that you probably can figure out what the right answer should be, whether or not that's the truth is to be seen, or you may already know. But I'm going to start out with a funny story, just because Andy told a story, and I just had to tell it. So he heard it from one of the, I think, the same source that I, that I get my funny stories, but it was just really good. So a pastor was asked to marry a couple, and the woman was getting married for the fourth time. Her three previous husbands had all died and she was getting up in years. The pastor asked the woman, so what did your previous husbands do? Well, she replied, my first husband was a banker, the second was an actor, the third was a pastor, and now my fourth will be an undertaker. Wow, you've got quite the lineup, the pastor exclaimed. What's the story behind that? It's like this, she answered proudly. One for the money, two for the show, three to get ready, and four to go. <laughs> Thanks, Andy. This is great. This Pastor Greg Moore says, I don't care who you are, that's funny. So uh, I was sitting here thinking of the, you know, just relationships, and, and obviously that woman had... She had other issues, apparently, but uh, there's relationships that, that we see all around us. We are part of relationships. They're friendships. Some, I mean, it could be your spouse. It could be just, it could be friends. But 
I kept thinking about how do I describe my relationship with God? Because in talking with Lamar, we, we were just talking about intimacy, intimacy with God. Because there's a, a level of intimacy that we, we desire deeply. We, we really do. Even if we're distracted by other things, there's a, there's a deeper desire that we, we say, man, I, I, really would, I really would like to, to get to know God a little bit more better. You know, just, just get to know him better. And so I was thinking about intimacy, and I thought, you know what? I, I told my wife last night, I said, I'm not, I don't know that I'm actually comfortable talking about my intimacy with God. Now, I'm not saying that I'm right in that. I just, they're special times. They're my times with him. They're his time with me. <laughs> I can't just, it, it, when I start to, to think of and remember the times that, that he has spoken to me and, and I have been in his presence, I, I got lost in it. I didn't just sit and write a couple notes about well, I guess this is how you do it. This is a formula or this is, I got lost in it. And so did he. See, what, what I think we, we miss is the joy that he has in connecting with us. Like we think of, uh, okay, we get, to, we get to come into his presence and we get to, uh, he's the king, he's the, the ruler, he's the Lord. He has great joy to be in our presence. So this started out differently than I expected. Amber mentioned being perfect. And, you know, in 2 Corinthians 5.21, it says that he who knew no sin became sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. And I think of, you know, okay, if, if you say... Give me some attributes, attributes of Jesus. How would you describe him? He, he is light, he's love, he's good, he's, I mean, we just start saying these amazing things. And there was one point where he was sin. Like, I think we miss it. I think we, 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 we haven't actually gone there in our hearts many times because in the same way that God is love or God is light, in him is no darkness at all. Perfect love casts out fear, so he is perfect love. There was one point, and this is where God the Father turned away because there was one point where Jesus became all sin. All of it. And he actually went and he paid the price for it. He went and suffered the price of sin. So that we could be the righteousness of God. Like, there's no halfway. And even, Josiah, what, what, what you were saying this morning... I love it that we have to compare, we have to think of it. What am I offering? What am I bringing to this equation? 
But there's, there's no halfway. There is no gross stuff, good stuff. It, it's all gone. And we are given the righteousness of God in Christ. So if you think of this as uh, what, what do you have to offer in a relationship? You know, think of your relationship with your spouse. You, you have something that you bring uh, and, you know, you say, well, let's, we want to both give 100%. We want to both, we want, want to give it our all. And that, that's great. That's, those are human relationships. But we have to be willing to receive all that he has given to us completely in fullness. See, we have to believe what he believes about us. And when you think of, okay, I want to hear God's voice. Uh, it's the coolest thing. And I, I'm going to point out my daughter just a little bit. So I didn't, I told her I might use this at some point. I didn't tell her this morning, but um, she was saying, I, I want to hear God's voice. And so Amber, what you were saying, but isn't it amazing to see young people that, you know, pressing into the things of the Lord? It really is, especially when you're, they're your own. But uh, she just said, I, I want to hear God's voice. And I said, I'm, I bet you are. And she said, no, I, I'm, I'm not. And so she went, she was up in her room, and she was just, she was reading, and she's keeping a little journal, and, and kind of, uh, she was wrestling with a few things, and, and she just heard her name, Maya. How do you think I see you? And it was like, I'm not going to try and quote everything that, that, that he said, because I don't, I don't know that I'm remembering it correctly here, but... She came downstairs after a little encounter with the Lord, and she said, I heard him. I heard him. I heard him. Like, she, she knew she had heard him. One of the reasons is, and I said this to her, I said, well, you obviously don't, like, I don't call myself by my own name. If you do, uh, there's, a, there's counseling in the back. There, no. Uh, I don't sit there and say, well, Doran, what do you do? What do you think? I, what? He talks to me. He calls me by my name. He loves me. So if you hear thoughts where there's a question posed to you like that, and it's, you can tell. I mean, there was love in this question. So she was hearing him ask, how do you think I see you? And she had to answer honestly because she has, I mean, if you have spent any time in the Word, you can begin to say the truth about how God sees you, even if you don't fully believe it in your heart, you can still begin to say the truth. See, the truth will set you free from the lies that you've been told or have been telling yourself. So I, I've been thinking about this, this connection of faith and love and how we access God, how we, how we come to him, why we come to him, and so much of, of what I process is either I come to him with something to offer, like, like Josiah was saying, or I come to him with enough of a need that will demand enough from him. So 
okay, I have this really big need, and so God, I'm, I'm coming to you now because I really need this to happen. Or I, you know, I, if, it, you can be praying for someone else. But it's not about the need that you bring to him. It's not about, it's not about any of that. Like you can't gather more of his attention by bringing a bigger need. He simply responds to the openness of your heart. So there's a real simplicity in this, real simplicity. And I know that some of the, some of the things when we say, okay, what's the first step in getting God's attention or, or having God uh, show his favor to you? And so if I look in James 4, 8, it says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. So he's waiting on us to draw near to him, to turn toward him. The, the verse in Revelation that says, uh, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man opens up, that is, that is spoken to believers. That was to the church. That's not an evangelistic verse. It's to people who already are connected with him. And he's saying, I'm standing at the door of your heart knocking. Open. So he's waiting on us to turn toward him. This is why it's so beautiful. It cannot be counterfeited. The devil tries to fake all of these things. But God takes this amazing risk in letting it be our choice to turn to him first. He could come in and with power just grab your attention. But that wouldn't be a relationship. That wouldn't be Song of Solomon relationship. I was, uh, I was on the way here, and I just had music playing, and uh, I didn't even like set this up. I, I just feel like I need to play this. I'm just gonna actually hold it to the microphone. There's a, there's a guy that's talking, it's, it's worship time, but the guy is just beginning out this time. And I want you just to hear how he describes this. Hopefully this works. Lord, we turn our attention right now. We say to you, Jesus, we put you at the center. one that is worthy to be praised, worthy of honor, worthy to receive glory, wisdom, power, and strength. You are the king, and we come to bring you a king's gift. We come to present you a gift that's, that's worthy of a king. And it might be just simple songs of love. It might be just this moment of time. It might be just a moment where we stop and we stare. And that's all that we have to give, but we give it to you. You're worth this gift, this moment. We adore you, Jesus. We celebrate who you are. In this moment, we just stop and we stare at you. We put aside all the distractions and all the things that have gotten in our way and our lives that, that get so filled with so many things. And we say, Jesus, we put you at the center right now. All the distractions, all the things of this earth, 
all that stuff would go strangely dim and you would be glorified you would be magnified in this place Holy Spirit we give you freedom right here right now to do what you want to do to have your way we pray our Father who is in heaven hallowed be your name your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven give us today our daily bread forgive us of our sins as we forgive those who sinned against us lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil we acknowledge you we acknowledge you Father we give adoration to you worthy King of glory. We say receive our worship here tonight. Receive from this place a gift. Isn't that beautiful? I could just go on and listen to it and forget what I'm doing up here. I feel like the Lord actually on the way here I was just encountering him and He said, just go and encounter me today. So the invitation is is open from him. And what I kept thinking about when I was listening to that, have you ever just, have you ever been in the mountains and you just stood on the edge of this big valley and and you, you see the mountains and you just stared? Have you ever stood and watched a cow in the field and, and eating grass and, and you just are just amazed. Have, have you ever just stood and watched a bird fly uh, around and, and land and a hummingbird or something like that? Have you, ever, have you ever been speechless in creation? Have you ever been speechless in the presence of the Lord? Have you ever just stared in awe? See, he knows that he has that effect on us. He knows. It's good. He wants us to see how amazing he is. He really does. When we know how amazing he is, we can face anything. See, he, he is made so that we can see him, so that we can get to know him. And he had to make us like him or we wouldn't be able to stand in his presence. We wouldn't be able to be in his presence. It would destroy us. The first time that I experienced the presence of the Lord was in 1989. <laughs> and I was uh, praying beside, the, beside my bed, and I just, I said, Lord, I, I, want, I want more. I want all of you. I want all of you. All of you. I want more. And the presence of the Lord came in the room. And this is one of those experiences that I haven't talked about a whole lot. Because it's mine. <laughs> it's mine and his. But he came in the room and he overshadowed me. 
There was such a combination of absolute power. I thought I was going to die. No kidding. And such love that it was overwhelming. I actually passed out. Fell on the floor. I was kneeling, but I I woke up laying sideways in the fetal position a couple hours later. But he ministered to me. He did something, and it was good. It was special. He showed me more than just what I could see, more than just what I could comprehend. I know he did something in my heart. Because from that moment on, I could hear his voice. What came out of my mouth At that point, when he came over me, I began praying in tongues. I began speaking things. Things came out of my mouth that I didn't understand, but I knew it was praise and worship of him. I knew that it was things I I wouldn't be able to articulate with English. See, all of this happened in a moment, but I was drawing near to him. I'm sure if we go around the room, we'd have all kinds of experiences like that that we could, we could hear you tell your story. What's happened with you, between you and him? And if you haven't had an experience like that, don't feel, don't feel badly. See, this is, this is a process. That was a long time ago. There have been times where he has, he has come to me in dreams. There are things that he has showed me that I haven't seen him, but I felt him. I've walked in the park with him, and I I couldn't see him, but I knew he was there. I've walked in the woods when I'm hunting elk. Actually, I shot an elk because I was listening to him and walking with him, and he showed me how to do it. See, the experiences that I have are special. They're intimate. They're close. I hold them close to my heart. It's easy to get distracted. And sometimes we get distracted by even looking for our calling and our destiny and our mission and our goal. And in fact, if you've, if you've spent any time in, in a group like this, you've very possibly gotten a word about something. Oh, I see God doing this, or I see this over you, and here's a word, here's a word, and those are good. Those are good. They really are. But that's not, that's not where you find intimacy. It's actually, it can be a distraction. Totally going after your calling. Totally going after something that this is a mission. This is, this is something I'm called to do. I'm starting Flights for Hope. Why? Because he told me to. And it's going to be amazing. Like, I, I know, I see it. I see the vision of it, and I'm like, I get, I get to be a part of this. But I could be distracted by it. Totally. I'm called to be up here this morning. I was asked to, and I felt the confirmation, yes, be up there. But I, I could be distracted. In fact, I, I got this message ready. Totally, like, it's a good message, too. Like, I was like, oh, this is great. This is good. But I, it was all about talking points on how to get close to God. And I, I'm, I'm not going to talk about them. 
I want you to press into him yourself, okay? I want you to think about what is distracting you. It could be hobbies. It could be pleasure. It could be just selfishness. It could be laziness. I don't know. It could be anything that, that draws your heart away from him. It could be money. It could be fear about finances and what's happening. See, most, most people that I meet are actually searching for something. Most people are, are not just in a place where they go, I'm good. I'm good. Planning to be exactly like this the rest of my life. Most people are going, okay, I, I'm, I, want, I want more. Even if it's more finances, even if it's, you know, you're, you're pressing into growth for your business or increasing your relationship with your, with your spouse, anything. We're all, we're all trying to go after more. And those are, those are not wrong, okay? It's good to press in for more like that, but not if it's a distraction. See, the number one thing, that's why the title is called The Number One Thing, comes from Psalm 27. And I want to read verses one through eight, so if you want to turn there, you can. This part of the message is what I'm going to share. This is David. You think of the great men of God. There's a common theme that they, they went after God's heart. Abraham, Enoch, David, Daniel. I mean, look at, what, look at the, the times they spent in pressing into him and into his goodness. Psalm 27. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked come against me to eat up my flesh, my enemies and foes, they stumbled and fell. Though an army may encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war may rise against me, in this I will be confident. One thing I have desired of the Lord, and that will I seek that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret place of his tabernacle, he shall hide me. He shall set me high upon a rock. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. Therefore, I will offer sacrifices of joy in his tabernacle. I will sing, yes, I will sing praises to the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice, have mercy also upon me and answer me. When you said, seek my face, my heart said to you, your face, Lord, I will seek. That's the number one thing. One thing I have desired of the Lord, and that will I seek. Verse 4, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord. Do you realize that David is talking about being in the house of the Lord because the presence of God was found in the tabernacle? It was found in a certain place. Where is the presence of the Lord now? He has made so that he can dwell in the hearts of men and women. See, you, you can find him every day, any moment when you press in to him. One thing, just focus on one thing. 
Do you know how I'm going to accomplish the things that God's called me to do? I'm going to press into him. And I'm just going to be in his presence. I'm going to be simple. I'm going to let him show me how much he loves me. And then, just like that, he'll say, hey, you should call so-and-so. And I go, oh, really? Okay. All right, I'll call him. And guess what? And this has been happening. Something happens that accomplishes in a fraction of the time 10 times more than what I could have done by struggling over it, planning it, spreadsheeting it, vision boarding it, creating it, doing all of this stuff that, okay, you can get something accomplished if you want to feel good about yourself. But you will accomplish the things that he has for you to do when you spend time in his presence. It's, it's so much better. It's so much better. And I have gotten lost in the pursuit of vision, the pursuit of other things, so many times over the years. It's, it's a constant draw that I, I, I get excited about. I get excited about risk. Give me a cliff and I want to see how... What am I going to land in or on if I jump? I, I, I look for risk. I love it. Why? Well, that's partially the way he's, he's wired me. Because when it comes time and he says, hey, do this, I'll go, oh, it's a risk. And he goes, go for it. And that's how he's going to accomplish things through me. He's called you to something totally different, possibly. But see, when you spend time in his presence, he will show you the person to intercede for. Or he will show you the person to, to reach out and put your arms around them and love them. He will show you someone to help them out financially. You name it. When you spend time in his presence, you will accomplish far more. Far more. And you actually get to know him. You, you, you get to know him as your shepherd and he calls the shots. He directs. He leads you. Now, again, I, I, thinking of, of men in the Bible, people in the Bible, I'm thinking of Moses, too. Moses was a great example of someone who sought the face of the Lord continually. And he experienced the presence of the Lord. So when Moses went up on the mountain, remember he asked to see God. Why did he go up on the mountain? Did did he go up there just to get Ten Commandments? Did he go up there to become the, the writer of the five books of Moses? To accomplish something? No, he, he went up on the mountain to see God, to meet God. He went into the tabernacle to meet God. Yes, he brought everything with him, everything that was going on. He said, Lord, I don't know what to do with these people. And then he would experience the presence of the Lord. See, God described men like Moses and Abraham. Abraham, he said, he's my friend. God actually confided in Abraham plans that he wanted to do that he hadn't told anyone else. He said, I got an idea. What do you think about this? He would do that with, with other people. He's done that with me. He wants to do that with you. He wants to have a true relationship. Not the idea of a relationship, a true relationship, true intimacy, 
times alone with him that you can't talk about because they're too special. When I hear, hear people talk, um, speakers, I'm thinking of, like, I, I love listening to Dan Moeller. You hear him talk about closeness and oneness with the Lord, he just gets quiet. <laughs> like, he starts talking and he's going on, he's saying this and he's going, and then he just goes, and I look at him and I go, I know there's things he, he's not even saying because they're too special to him. They're times, very close times spent with the Lord. So this, this is a, um, again, this invitation to experience him. There was a song that I, I asked JB to play and it's, we're not quite ready for it, but it's Purify My Heart is the, is the chorus. And I kept thinking about um, that song when Josiah was talking. And it says, purify my heart, let me be as gold and precious silver. Purify my heart, refiner's fire. My heart's one desire is to be holy. Set apart for you, Lord. I choose to be holy. Set apart for you, my master, ready to do your will. And he, this song, at first, like I was drawn to it because it, I, I was singing it. It was in my heart. Purify my heart. And I realized he has already done that. He already has. Like this is actually a request to purify my heart. And I, and I thought, you know, he made so that when I come into his presence, I already am everything I need to be to encounter him. If not, it would destroy me. That's what allows me to be in his presence and, and simply stare. <laughs> To, to be amazed at his beauty, to be amazed at his goodness, to encounter him. So my focus here today is to turn your hearts toward your heavenly father, toward your relationship with God. He's more than just your heavenly father. I mean, he's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Jesus is your brother. He's the firstborn among many brothers. So God represents many different relationships in this. It's not just in one facet. In fact, I don't know if any, any of you have watched The Shack, uh, but I'm reminded of the... I mean, it, it, there's people who have said it's heresy because... God is represented in different ways than, than the church has traditionally represented God. But he came to the main character in the way that the main character, Mac, could understand. He came to him in a way that he could receive. See, Mac had trauma in his, in his life from his own dad. And so God came to him in a much different way, a loving way that he wasn't anticipating. And he'll do that for you. Don't think that he's just going to present himself as you've always seen him. 
Let him show himself to you. Let him manifest to you. Let him open the, when you open the door of your heart, let him come in and say, it's me. Many times when he speaks to me, he actually speaks in verses. In, in the, the, like, I hear a verse. And there's actually times we've had full conversations where he has strung one verse to the next, to the next, to the next, to the next, to the next. He can talk for two hours straight, not saying anything but verses. And I'm not kidding. Have you ever experienced that? Let him, let him speak to you. Get in the word and read it. Plant that in your heart so that that's in there already. He's spoken verses to me I didn't know I read. And when I read them, I said, that's what he just said. So he wants to show himself to you in unique and inviting and exciting ways. So this invitation came from Jesus in Matthew 22, verses 37 and 38. Jesus said, well, they asked him what the greatest commandment is. And he said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And we could go on and say, okay, love your neighbor as yourself, but you can't love your neighbor until you've loved the Lord. The first commandment always comes first. We try to go out and love our neighbor. We try to go out and we say, oh, let's do an outreach or let's, let's this, let's that. Let's accomplish something. But you can't do that until you've really learned how to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. Everything of you. So let's, let's have that song. And uh, I'd just like to invite you to come to the Lord. Imagine being in, in his presence. Let him ignite your imagination, by the way. The imagination is a wonderful gift from the Lord. It is where he shows us amazing things. And you go, ah, I just imagined that. No. No, you'll know when he's showing you things in your imagination. It's where you can see things that you can't see with, with your physical eyes. Ask him to enlighten the eyes of your heart so that you would know him. He is the hope of your calling. Ask him to present himself to you as you present yourself to him. Draw near to him and he will draw near to you. So the front is open. Uh, the whole room is open. You don't have to come up front. But if you want to, the invitation is open to come to the Lord. Even if this morning is simply cracking the door open of your heart and going, I'm welcoming you in. Don't expect it to all happen like, okay, it either happened or it didn't. No, this, this begins something or it continues something in your own heart that never, he, he never wants to stop. He wants to continue manifesting himself to you. He wants you to see that he has given you the ability to see him. No one is left out from this. Every person, every person has been, this has been made available to every person. So when you look at it, you say, oh, well, but he, you don't know about me. You don't know what, no, 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 no. 
Nope. For God so loved the world, he loved every single person. He is not willing that any should perish. So if you have not been born again, if you've not received the baptism of the Holy Spirit and you want all of him, come up front, someone will lay hands on you. Understand, this is, this is a life change. This is a life connection with him. That he's inviting us into open doors. That we open our doors to him.